the words that we say. And we've been talking about this over the past three weeks. What is it that we're looking at? The first one that we've been talking about. For you who are visitors, you get a pass on this. For the rest of us, what is the first one? What are the three filters that we pass our words through? The first one is what? Is it true? And, why, and if, if it isn't true, I have no business saying it. Even if I think that it might be true and it's not true, that's still a lie. And I'm not to repeat something like that. What is the second one? Is it kind? While it may be true, is it, are you going to say it in a kind way? And what's the third one that we're going to look at today? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Are you the one? While it may be true, and while that it may be kind, are you the one that is to bring that word to somebody's heart? Because words can really have an effect. And for some of you, you're asking this question as you've been, as you've been walking through your week. So, so what is it that I talk about? Because you begin to say something that's like, ooh, ooh I, I can't say that because... Uh, uh, it's not going to be true or it's not going to be kind. Am I the one who's necessarily supposed to say that? And you begin to come to the place of saying, so what do we talk about? Yeah. What does Romans 12 say? It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His perfect or his good, pleasing and perfect will. There's a transformation that has to happen with our mind, doesn't it? And we've been looking at, at these verses, and what I want to talk about today is about, it, is it necessary? But I want to start out with looking at our words. So our scripture reading this morning is out of James chapter 2, James chapter 1. And it says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at it, goes away, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. That last verse is a powerful one. That's a powerful one. We've been talking over the last three weeks about a memory verse that we've been learning, and if we bring that up here... Psalm 1914, would you read that along with me? We just sang it a couple of times as well. Would you repeat this after me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. How are we doing on that? We've had two weeks where we've really hammered this, hammered at this. How are you doing? The words that come out of your mouth, the things that you're thinking about, are they those things that God would say, I am honored in this. I have been given glory in the midst of this. Or do we need to do a little bit more work on this? Because this is, these, these three things, these are game changers. They can change the way you, you act as a family. They can change the culture and the fabric of a church as well. I want to look at words for a moment. And it says, when words are many, sin is unavoidable. We read this in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. You ever sat in a car with somebody for, oh, two, three hours, 
and they do all the talking. Nobody else, maybe you guys don't drive for two or three hours here in Hong Kong. But if you get in the car with somebody and pray that it's not dark when you get in the car, but so that you don't have anything to look at on the outside. But have you ever been with somebody? I was on the MTR this week, and I was coming back from the island, and I was sitting next to a lady. And the whole time, from the time she walked onto the MTR, the whole time until I got off at Wampo, all she did was talk on the phone. It was just like the person on the other end, the poor person, that's all they heard was, was this lady talking. And why does it say that when words are many, sin is not absent? Because when, when we begin to talk on and on, who is the conversation then normally around? It's around me. And we're told in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the, for the, love of the, for the things of this world are, are, and he goes on to say, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of the eyes, and this is a huge one, the boasting in what he has or does. And God's word says that these things do not come from the Lord, but from the world. We need to be careful about what it is that we say. And we need to be, it's, it's a wise man. It's a wise man who holds his tongue. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, Those who consider, consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Again, think about it. You're talking about, you're talking that you're a Christian and yet you go out and you, and, and you cut somebody down, you gossip about somebody. And people who are not Christians, they're watching you and they're saying, wow, he says he's a Christian or he, this guy's a Christian and yet when, when he gets angry, wow, the things that he says, they're no different from what I say when I, when I get angry. Do you see what it's saying there? If you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, it's, it's saying that you, you, you make your religion out to be worthless. It says, keep a tight rein in your tongue. It says, the, uh, the lack of control, tongue control is a sign of a lack, lack of control. Where do the words that we say, where do they come from? They come out of our heart, don't they? Luke chapter 6, verse 41, verse 45 says this. It says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his mouth, he speaks. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. What comes out of our mouth is what's inside of us. That's why we talk about, so what is it that I talk about? What is it that I think about? Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's what are you putting into your mind? What are you putting into your heart? David said in Psalm, he said, in the Psalms, he said, Lord, how, how will a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And he says in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's, an, it's interesting. There's different courses. The navigators have a scripture memorization course. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing as you begin to take and put God's word away in your heart. And you know there's a good place for those of you who ride. How many of you ride the, the MTR at least three to four times a week? I think there's more of you than that. My goodness sake. But the MTR is an amazing time to pull out some of those cards and just go over them. And to just go over them and over them. And it's amazing how God will bring those, those words back to your heart. By the transform, transformation of our minds. That's how our, our hearts are changed. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, Many words mark the speech of a fool. 
Ecclesiastes 6.11 says, The more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 7 says, many, In many words there is emptiness. Is it any wonder that David says in Psalm 141, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep a watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. David also said, Lord, I put no unclean thing before my eyes. And here he says, Set a, set a guard over my mouth. Are there times where we need to say that? You know, nothing ruins a church more. Been doing this now 31 years and see the damage and the destruction that words can have in a church. When people think that it's their prerogative to share gossip, nothing destroys a church faster than when we take things into our own hands and we gossip about something that we don't know is the truth. It might also be the truth, but the way in which we share it is going to tear somebody down, is going to destroy somebody. Churches are destroyed, families are destroyed, businesses are destroyed when we don't keep a rein over our tongue. And gossip is one of those things. And we may say, well, it wasn't gossip, it was simply a prayer request. And sometimes prayer requests, we can add way too much information that we don't need to. Put a guard over our mouths, Lord. Everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to get angry. James chapter 1 says this. It says, everyone must be, clo- must be quick to hear. Let me get the page here. It says, my, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, you've probably heard this before, that uh, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh, to, to listen. When... Uh, when Becca and I were first married, or first dating, she stopped me one day and she said, do you know what your favorite subject is? And like a fool, I bit that hook. And I said, no, what? She goes, it's you. All you ever talk about is you. You never ask me any questions. I was listening then. But you know, you think about it. When you're in conversation with somebody else, are you listening to what's, to what's being said? Are you listening or are you just listening to think about the next thing that you're going to say on top of that? But listening to what it is that they have to say. Slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry as well. As well, we read in Proverbs chapter 21, we read in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 7, there's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. There is a time to be quiet. But there's also a time when we need to speak. If something is not right, we need to speak about it. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. In Proverbs 21, 23, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. There is a time to speak. And when, and when we speak, when we speak, there's three things that are so important. The first one is the timing. Timing is so important. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 and 12 says, like, gold, like apples of gold in a setting of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reproof to a listening ear. Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. When it's time to speak, it's true. And you've determined that what I, what I need to say is true. There's maybe something that you've seen in, a, in somebody's life and you say... Um, I, need to, I need to talk to that person about maybe they don't see what it is that they're doing and how it is that they're saying something. 
And it's, so you realize that it's true. And you realize, okay, I'm going to speak to them in a kind way. We speak the truth in love and lovingly. Am I the one to bring that word? Yeah. The first thing that we need to see is that, the first important thing is that, it's time, that timing is everything. I want to give you a few, just a couple words of advice with this. Um, when it is time for you to speak to somebody, make sure that the person isn't exhausted. Uh, you know, I, I, I had, um, not too long ago, okay, backstory. In my home, we always called my, my wife, my kids grew up calling her mama. And that's just what they called her. And we just finished up with a communion service at our church, and the church that I pastored in Minnesota, I preached three services, just bang, bang, bang. So by the time I was done with those services, I was dead. I was dead tired. Went into the bathroom, came out of the stall, and a guy came right up here, right up into my face. And he said, I don't like the fact that you're saying the word mama. And he was saying that it was a derogatory term, and I said, I was trying to, trying to get, get a handle. At first, I thought he was kidding me. And then I could realize by the smoke coming out of his ears that he wasn't kidding. And my reaction to him was not right because, boy, him and he came right at me. And finally, we simmered down and I said, hey, we need to go to my office and we need to talk about this. And so we went to my office and we calmed down a little bit, but then agreed to meet the next day. Sometimes when we speak to people, we need to make an appointment with them and, and not get them when they're tired as well. As well. Give them fair warning. Give them fair warning that you're going to be speaking to them. And please, tell them what it is that you're going to... Give them an idea of what it is you're going to be talking about. Uh, number of, uh, over the past few years, or over many, many years, people would call up and say, Pastor, can I, can I talk with you? Sure. And you, and you set a date, and I'm thinking, okay, so what is it that, that I'm going to talk... What is it this person wants to talk about? And then when they come in and say, can we have a word of prayer first? And they begin praying and say, Lord, would you help me with this really difficult word? It's like, oh, great, what's going to happen? And normally what happens is you get your hair parted for about a half an hour from this person. Let them know what it is you want to talk to them about. You know, if you care about them, and if it is necessary for you to talk about it, give them an idea. And also, give them a heads up of what it is you're going to be talking about. And balance the tough with words of encouragement. Balance the tough words with words of encouragement. When you go to speak to somebody, and you know that probably it's going to be a tough word, Balance it with encouragement. Start out with encouragement. Start by finding something that you can say to that person that is encouraging. And as well, when you, when you go to that person, balance the tough with words of encouragement. In, in my church that I pastored in Montana, um, we, had, we had elders in the church. And as a church and as a pastor, I, I sit under the authority of the elders. I'm not over the top of them. I sit under their authority. And so one of the elders in the, in the team he, it was, I think he took it as his prerogative to make sure that I, I told the line, that I, I walked in the right way. And so his thing was, he would call me up and say, Pastor, you got time for a cup of coffee? After a while, I grew to new, learn that, oh boy, okay, I'm going to, I did something wrong again. And so I'd sit down for coffee, and sure enough, he would lay out all the things that I had done wrong, and this is where you need to straighten up here and straighten up there. And it's like, oh, great. Well, after a while... Our relationship wasn't that great because it's like, okay, every time I see this guy, he's going to chew me out for something else. And after I'd been there, close to the time that it was getting for me to leave that church, we reconciled our relationship. And so he called me up one day, and he said, Pastor, you got time for a cup of coffee? I thought, oh, great, what did I do now? 
And so I'm sitting there in the coffee shop with him, and, and, he, and I, finally I said, okay, what, what do you want, Ed? And he said, what do you mean, what do I want? I said, well, for the last six years, every time you call me up for coffee, it's to call me up to tell me what it is that I'm doing wrong and to help me you know, get, get on the straight path again. And he said, really? He said, I did that? I said, yes, for six years, that's what you've done. And I said, when you called me, I thought you were calling to tell me what it is that I've done wrong. Balance the tough words with words of encouragement. If all you ever say to somebody is what they're doing wrong, guess what? They're going to shut you down. Make sure that when you come to them, you balance the good, you balance the tough with words of encouragement. As well, when you come, make sure of timing. But the second one is motive. Why are you coming to that person? Why do you feel that it's your responsibility to come to that person? What is your motive? Is your motive to really just set them straight and make them see that what they did was wrong? Or is your motive restorative? That you really care? Excuse me. But do you really care about that person? And care enough to share words that are difficult? What is your motive as you're going and speaking to that person? And the last one is passport. Do you have passport into that person's life? While it may be true, while it may be true, and the words that you say may be kind, are you the one to bring that word to this person? Do you have passport into their life? I have two people that, uh, two people in a group of other guys that I met with. Uh, there was a group of guys that I met with two times a year back in the States, and we would meet in different places for a day and a half. And the whole purpose of that day and a half was we were listening to what it was that God was saying into our lives. And when we started out the conversation, the first day when we started out the conversation, it was a time of, okay, what's been going on in your life? And the ground rules that we set up when we began, when I was part of this group, I came into this group, the ground rules, rules were that they could ask you any question, but you had to answer them honestly. And I grew to love those men, and I grew to respect those men, and I grew to trust those men, that they could say into my life, they could speak into my life, whatever it was that I needed to hear, because I knew that they loved me, and they... <clears throat> loved me, and that they cared enough to speak into my life. I have, two account- I have one accountability partner, another guy, that as well, that they can call me, they can talk to me, and they can say whatever it is that they want to say into my life and know that it's okay. I'm not going to stop being their friend. And at times we've had to speak tough words into our lives, but there's passport. And look at what happens. When there's passport into somebody's life, that when you go to share something with them, A friend will put a finger on your faults without rubbing your nose into it. A friend will put a finger on your faults without rubbing your nose in it. When it comes time to share and you have passport, the person will listen. And it takes, for the the hearer, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, it says that um, the wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And he says, let a righteous man strike me. Psalm 141.5, let a righteous man strike me, it is kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Guys, do you have somebody like that in your life? Somebody who loves you enough to put his finger in your chest and say, I, I love you, bud, but there's something I've been seeing. 
Somebody that you trust enough, you, that you, has passport into your life. See, the problem with most of us as guys, we're, we're lone rangers out there. We're, we're doing our own thing. And we don't have anybody in our life who is, who's, who's taking the time, who's putting the finger in your chest and saying, how are you doing with loving your wife? How are you doing, guys, in, in reading God's word? How are you doing at, at work? How's it going with how you're spending your money? You say, well, those are kind of private questions. Listen, when we as guys, when we live in, in just as lone rangers, when there's nobody else in our lives that we're accountable to, we can be up to a lot of stuff and nobody knows about it. And having somebody in your life who cares enough about you to ask the really tough questions. Because if that person is trusted, they many times see things in our lives that we don't. And they can put their hand on something and say, I love you. Do you see what you're doing here? And you know, let, me, let me walk alongside of you and let me walk alongside of you and help you to change. Guys, if you don't have somebody, I would highly urge you, I would highly urge you, find somebody. Find somebody who's a brother in the Lord. Find somebody who's mature in the Lord and ask them, would you hold me accountable? The pornography industry is running rampant in this world. Countries are trying to figure out, how do we deal with this? It's kind of like shutting the door after the, after the horses are out of the, do- out of the barn. <clears throat> That's an American idiom that you probably don't understand. But, um, it's like the problem is here now, and how do we deal with that problem? <clears throat> Sorry about this, guys. How do we deal with this problem? We go to Cambodia, and pornography is preloaded onto the, onto the phones that you buy. I mean, and these phones are in the hands of young people. Do you realize that the pornography industry has more money than Pizza Hut, uh, Pepsi-Cola, Coca-Cola? It has more money than, that, than all of them. And their target audience, do you know who their tar- target audience is? And this is a little old by now. Their target audience is kids 8 to 11 years old. Because they know that most of those kids can't spell right. And they go on, online and they Google things online and they spell things wrong. And they are taken to a site that they shouldn't be. But it's not just 8 to 11-year-old kids, it's guys as well. And this stuff, the things that we have in our lives, are there people in our lives that can speak truth into our lives? Or are we just a lone ranger? Are we off there just by ourselves? Do you have somebody in your life who's going to speak the words of truth into your life? It takes great grace to be a hearer. To be a hearer of words that aren't easy. But it also takes great grace to share words as well. It takes great grace to receive words, hard words of truth from a friend. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, it said when kings go off to war, in the springtime when kings go off to war, David stayed at home. King David stayed at home. And he was walking on the, on the parapet of his castle and he noticed there was a woman who was bathing there. And he asked the question of one of his men. He says, um, who, who, who is that lady? And one of the guys says, well, that's, that's Bathsheba, the, the wife of Uriah. The wife of Uriah. You remember this guy? He's one of your mighty men. And David, it's the word take is coming up all the time there. David took Bathsheba and he committed adultery with her. And that wasn't enough then. He had her husband killed. And David is living his life as though everything is okay. You know, yeah, I did this, but nobody knows. And those who do know, they're going to keep quiet because I'm the king. And God sends the prophet Nathan into, into David's life. And Nathan shares a story. He shares a story with, with David. And he says, there were two men. He said, one man was a very, very rich man, and he had a whole number of sheep. And a friend came and visited him. 
And this friend and this rich man, instead of slaughtering one of his own sheep, he took the sheep of a man who had only one sheep. And it says that that man who had only the one sheep was like his, like his child. He said he slept with him, it drank from his cup. And instead of taking one of his many sheep, he took this one. And David, ever the shepherd, rises up. I can just see him rising up and he says, that man deserves to die. And in the old King James, it says, Nathan looks at him and says, thou, thou art the man. And David is cut to the absolute quick. And David realizes the truth of that. Nathan had earned passport into David's life. It takes great grace to share tough things. It takes great grace to receive those things and to respond to what it is that God is saying in our lives. Is it true? Is what you're going to say, is it true? If it's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth, we have no business saying it. Is it kind? While it may be true, what is your motive for sharing it? And will you do it in a way that is kind? Remember, we can be kind all day at work. And we get home and we can sometimes flip a switch and we're not kind. Uh, I jokingly say, now hear me this, I jokingly say sometimes to Becca on Sunday afternoon, well, it's not Sunday morning, I don't have to be nice anymore. That's not the truth, I, I'm, I'm not that way, but sometimes we say that. Is it true? Is it kind? Is what you're going to say, is it kind? And lastly, are you the one to bring that word into somebody's life? Do you have passport into that person's life to be able to share that with? And will you share it in a way that is kind? We're to speak the truth in love and lovingly. These three messages have the power to really change our lives and change the fabric of families, change the fabric of businesses, change the fabric of churches because it affects what it is that we say and what it is that we're thinking about that other person. When you run, as you think about things, here's your checklist. And I, I would urge you to keep that and keep, uh, keep going back to it as we finish out this series. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? I want to play one song for us, and we're finishing out uh, the worship team. We don't need to come up for this, for this last song, but this is, I want to just play a song, and then, then I'll, I'll, close, I'll close in prayer after this. So.